Well, good morning, Union Chapel. How are you guys doing this morning? It's good to be here. It is so good to be here. Um, it is an honor and a privilege to be able to have the stage and to speak to you this morning. I've known Union Chapel for many years, kind of from a distance. Uh, as Greg said, I have been in the field of campus ministry and got to know him um, a number of years ago. And so I just have always kind of seen what Union Chapel is doing from a distance and was always excited about your ministry. And so to be able to be here up on this platform this morning and to speak with you and to have a partnership formed between Union Chapel Church and our church, Pathway Community Church, is just an awesome thing. It's just such a blessing to us and to me personally. So thank you for having me in. Um, up behind me on the screen here in just a minute, you're going to see a picture of my, my family. Uh, you'll see my wife, Jana who I've been married to now for 10 years. We hit 10 years this summer. And I can't believe she's been with me that long. She stuck it out with me. Pretty amazing. Uh, we have four young kids. So this is our son, Lucas. He is almost nine years old. He'll hit nine years old in November. Grace is our oldest of three daughters. She's six. Then we have our little firecracker, Kylie, is three years old. And uh, she's the one with a big personality in the family. And then we've got our youngest, Madison. We call her Maddie. And she is almost nine months old, or excuse me, is nine months old, just hit nine months. And so she now is kind of pulling herself up on things and is getting ready to walk. She's real close. We don't have her with us this weekend, so we're hoping that she holds off the walking until we can get back. Um, our in-laws uh, were gracious enough to offer to, to take the kids this weekend. And they kind of asked us, you know, we know you're going out to do this thing in, in Indiana. Would, be, would it be a blessing to you if we took the kids? And we were like, uh, let me think about that. Yes, take them. Like, please, you know. How many of you know, if you can get a moment away with your spouse without those kids, it's awesome, right? I mean, it's a date weekend here, okay? I mean, we, I, mean I don't care if you're going and you're getting the tires rotated on your car. If you can do it with your spouse and no kids with you, it's a date. All right? So we, we got an opportunity to come out here from Marietta, Ohio, and to speak this weekend, and we're just so blessed to be here. Um, before we get into our scriptures this morning, I, I need to just kind of take a moment to give you an outsider's perspective, if I could, on your church. Because, you see, you all are insiders to Union Chapel. You know, you've been here for maybe a long time. Some of you probably have been here for years and years and years. And whenever you're an insider to a church, it's very easy to kind of lose perspective on that church. I mean, every church in America has its problems, right? There's no such thing as a perfect church. If you think they exist somewhere else, it's a myth. They aren't out there. Every church kind of has its warts and, and things that could be better. And I'm sure if you've been here for a while, you know what those things are and what they could be here in this place. But I just need to share with you, as somebody who is an outsider looking in, you guys are, are part of something absolutely amazing and special here at Union Chapel. There are people all over America who would love to have a church like this in their town, just would absolutely love it. To have a church with the kind of leadership that Greg Paris brings, to have a church with the kind of staff that you have, the kind of talent, the resources, the facilities, the vision, the clarity on mission, to have what you have here at Union Chapel is something truly remarkable and special. You know, I've gotten to really know your staff and, and start to build some relationships with them as we talked about planting churches together. And as I have, it's just been an incredible thing to get to know them and to see their hearts and to just to recognize, I mean, these are godly people who are not just, they're not just godly people, they're talented people who are serving here in the staff of this church. I've gotten to really know Robin Wood. He's kind of become my church planting coach. And that guy, I gotta tell you, he is a world-class church planting coach. I mean, I've been around a lot of planters and a lot of people who have helped to plant other churches. I have never met anybody like Robin who does what he does. It's just amazing. And so you guys just have tremendous talent here and resources, and God has blessed you so much. So if I could just get you to step back for a moment and see the big picture, 
and recognize what God has actually done in Union Chapel and just help you to understand that. You're part of something special. We're going to get into the scriptures here in a second. And when we do, here's my whole purpose this morning. I want to try to light you up and convince you that Jesus is wildly and passionately committed to church planting. If we can walk out just with that one thing in our minds, Jesus is committed to church planting. And therefore, we as a church need to be serious about the things of Jesus, which means we need to be about church planting. And you are. You are. Because you're trying to plant 10 churches in 10 years. And what it means for you is that if you're about church planting, if you're about giving to church planting, if you're about praying to church planting, if you're about serving and helping and doing anything you can to send out people to plant new churches... You are right in the center of the will of God. You're right in the center of the stream of the way the Holy Spirit is moving and the things he is doing. And we're going to see in the closing statements of Jesus, we're going to look at three different things that Christ spoke to his disciples right at the end of his life. And we're going to see that Jesus was serious. He was serious about church planting, wildly and passionately committed to it. Let's pray. God, bless us this morning. Bless us with your word. Oh God, we pray for your favor and your mercy. We ask that your word would speak to our hearts this morning and change us and shape us and transform us and renew our minds. Lord, as we look at three closing statements of of Christ our Lord, would you help us to get in alignment with the things that Jesus was serious about? God, do your good work in us and thank you for the great work of Union Chapel. Amen. All right, we'll open up your Bibles to Matthew 28. We're going to look at three passages this morning. The first one's going to be the Great Commission, and it's going to come out of Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. From there, we're going to move into Luke chapter 24. We're going to look at verses 46 through 49 at another closing statement of Jesus at the end of his life. And then we're going to go to Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 6. And we're going to look at these three things that Jesus said. Now, to give you a little bit of context to help you to understand what's going on here in the Scriptures... Jesus has completed his ministry, okay? Jesus has done three years of power-packed ministry. And everywhere he's gone, he's had massively huge crowds of people following him. He's, he's doing miracles, and he's teaching, and, and people are repenting. And, of course, the, the, the Pharisees and every, you know, the Jewish leadership are, are getting jealous and, and angry at him as he goes. And so eventually, at the end of his life, Jesus gets put to death by the Roman government, who's in collusion with the Jewish leadership, all who want to exterminate him. He's a threat to their power structures. And so because of that, they get him hung on a cross. They falsely accuse him. They beat him. They scorn him. They shame him. They crucify him on the cross. And Jesus, the perfect son of God, after that goes into the grave. And we all know what happens after three days in the grave, don't we? He rises up from the dead and comes out of the tomb and leaves an empty tomb behind him. And what Jesus does is for the next 40 days after that, is he goes around and he interacts with people. And all around him, people who saw him die, they saw him on that cross, they start interacting with him. And they're just blown away, thinking, my goodness, I saw you die, and now you're standing in front of me. Thousands and thousands of people see the risen Christ. And so because of that, Christianity really forms and springs up out of Israel in the Middle East, because all of these people saw the resurrected Christ, and they knew he really was who he said he was. He really was the Son of God. But in this 40-day window, before Jesus ascends into heaven, he teaches a few things before he goes. 
And you can imagine that the things Jesus would speak and say at the end of his life were probably some of the most important things he could have said because he wants to give parting wisdom and words to his disciples. And you see, the authors of Scripture captured these things for us because they wanted us to know what Jesus was serious about. They wanted us to understand what he was passionate about. And so the first of these statements comes out of Matthew chapter 28, right at the end, verses 18 through 20. Let me read this for you. The Great Commission. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of, and here's what he says, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So here's Jesus standing before his disciples right at the end of his life, probably shortly before he's ready to ascend into heaven. And and he's kind of giving them a pep talk and saying, guys, here's what you're going to be about after I leave. Fellas, I have all the authority in the world. All the authority in heaven and earth has been put on my shoulders. And I'm taking that authority off and I'm giving it to you and I'm empowering you to go out into the world. And here's how far I want you to go out into the world. I want you to get way outside of Israel. I want you to get to all nations. Jesus said, I want every corner of the earth, every piece of the earth, every person on the earth to have the opportunity to respond to the gospel. I want all of them to know in every nation that I am the King of kings, I am the Lord of lords, and I've died on a cross for them, and I've risen from the dead for them, and I'm here to save them. So guys, I'm empowering you to get out there and to take the gospel to all peoples. You're going to go and make disciples. I have to imagine when the disciples heard Jesus say this, that they were just blown away. Because you see, to them, everything they had done with Jesus had been in a tight geographic region. You know, they traveled a while with him, they'd done ministry with him, but it had kind of been probably in a couple hundred mile circle in Israel, this small nation. And all of a sudden, here's their Savior, here's their God and King saying to them, you are going to be sent out to all nations. Jesus takes the geographic boundaries and just just blows the doors off of it and says, we're going to take this everywhere. We're going to take this everywhere. And everywhere you go, you're going to make disciples. And here's how he says you're going to make disciples. When you go to them, when you go to all nations, you baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and you teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Jesus gives them two directives to make disciples. He says, baptize and teach, baptize and teach, baptize and teach, baptize and teach. Everywhere you go, you baptize and you teach. You raise people up to new life in Christ and you teach them to be obedient to me. You teach them the scriptures. Now, Union Chapel, if you want to know whether or not Jesus is serious about church planting, I think all you need is this passage right here. Because you tell me how the disciples were supposed to go out and follow and honor the words of Christ and do what he told them to do if they don't go out and plant new churches to the very ends of the earth. You see, the only way that the disciples could listen to what Christ was calling them to do and to follow him, to be obedient to him, was to go into all nations, all nations of the earth, and start new gatherings together of believers who start baptizing others, unsaved people, and bringing them into new life in Christ, teaching them to give their lives to Christ, 
and then teaching them to obey. The only way that the disciples would have been able to follow through on the call that Jesus had put on them would have been to plant churches. My argument to you this morning is that Jesus is wildly and passionately committed to church planting. He absolutely wants us to plant churches. And when we get behind church planting, when we decide to give our energy, our resources, our prayer, when we decide to write those checks and give the money so that it's able to happen, we're right in the center of what God has always been about, getting churches out to the ends of the earth so that everybody could know that Christ is here to save people. Luke 24, flip over just a book in your Bible, verses 46 through 49. All the words should be on the screen behind me. This time Luke, in his gospel, he captures a slightly different moment that Jesus has with his disciples and he records it for us. This is what it says, verse 46. He told them, this is what Jesus says to them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to, who is it, Union Chapel? All nations, absolutely, all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Here's Jesus in a different moment, talking to his disciples again. And he's saying to them, guys, listen to me. I'm going to clothe you with power from on high. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And when I do, you are going to take this message of me out to all nations, to the ends of the earth. And here's what you're going to do when you get there. When you get into their cities, when you get into their towns, what I want you to do is you get up and you preach repentance for the forgiveness of sins. You tell them that the most important decision they can ever make in their life is to turn away from their sin and to give their life to me. You tell them. You preach it to them. Now, Union Chapel, if you want to know whether or not Jesus is serious about church planting, tell me how would the disciples have been able to fulfill this call that he put on them if they didn't go into towns and cities all across the world and plant new churches where they'd have opportunities to preach. The only way they could have fulfilled this is to get into cities all over the world and to start new groupings of believers where they would have an opportunity and a moment to preach so that they could tell people, bring your friends so that they can hear that we're going to tell them to repent. The disciples were going to preach repentance all over the world. They were going to teach obedience all over the world. They were going to baptize all over the world. This is how disciples are going to be made. Jesus just destroys the geographic boundaries that were in their minds. And he gives them a clear directive that can only be fulfilled through church planting. Acts chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 6 through 8. This is the very, very final, probably the last thing that Jesus ever said in his life. Luke is recording for us what happens right before Jesus ascends into heaven. And this is the thing that Jesus says to his guys. These are his parting words. Then they gathered around him and they asked him, Lord... Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Verse 7. He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, 
and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, the disciples, even at the end of all this time they had spent with Jesus, still are confused, aren't they? And they're coming to him, they're saying, Jesus, wait a second, hold on, hold on. I'm so confused. I thought what you were going to try to do here was to restore the nation of Israel. We're under Roman oppression, we're under the thumb, we, we've, we've been in captivity all these years, we're, just, we're tired of it. We thought you were going to restore the nation. Is this the moment now that you're going to do it? I think Jesus probably just kind of shakes his head and smiles at him and says, guys, 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 don't worry about that. My father in heaven, he's got a time and a place and a location when all this stuff is going to happen. Don't worry about that. Here's what I want you to worry about. You go and be my witnesses. You go to Jerusalem where you're at right now. You get out of the city and you go to Judea and Samaria. You get out of Judea and Samaria and you go to the very ends of the earth. And you be my witnesses to everyone to let them know that I have died and I have risen from the dead for them so that they may be saved and come into a right relationship with my Father in heaven. Union Chapel, Jesus is wildly and passionately committed to church planting. And the only way the disciples could have fulfilled these three statements to baptize and teach obedience and preach repentance and be his witnesses, the only way they could have fulfilled it was to get out into the very farthest corners of the earth and start new churches. Union Chapel, you have chosen to put yourself with this REACH campaign right in the center of the will and the power and the purposes of God. You have taken on a noble calling to do what you're doing. And I'm here to say thank you for it. Because we're the beneficiary and the recipient of that generosity. We're the beneficiary of your obedience to your Father in heaven and aligning yourselves with the purposes of God. I'll tell you a little bit of our story. Uh, Jana and I spent 12 years working with a college ministry organization. And two years into that 12 years, we ended up getting married to one another, which is why we just hit 10 years this summer with each other. Uh, for all those years, you know, God had taken us to a couple different locations. He had us in southwestern Pennsylvania where we were serving on a college campus, working with students for several years. We were two years in the city of Pittsburgh where I was working out of our organization's headquarters and we were overseeing the training for our organization. And then we came out to Indiana in 2010. We didn't know a soul out here and we moved into Fishers outside of Indianapolis and the goal was to start ministries all across campus, campuses across the state of Indiana. And so the way to do that was I had to get to know a lot of pastors. And so I traveled all over the state, and I just met pastor after pastor after pastor in college towns. And that's how I came across Greg Paris. And we got to know one another and kind of built a, a friendship together. And little did I know, I just had no idea, that years later, God would take that relationship, God would take the, that foundation of friendship and trust that had been developed and turn it into something significant for the kingdom of God. just had no idea. You see, in July of 2014, you know, Janet and I were praying about our future. We had always wondered, we thought maybe God was going to take us into church planting. We didn't know. It was always in the back of our minds and something we thought about and prayed about. But God had never released us from campus ministry. You see, campus ministry is a very good calling. It's a very good thing. We've got to reach college students on our college campuses throughout the United States so we don't lose our next generation. But we were wrestling with it and saying, God, do you want us to stay in the field of campus ministry 
you want to say, are we, are we, are we lifers? Are we going to be in this for a whole career? Or are you going to do something else? Are you going to do something with this desire for church planting that we've kind of always had in the back of our minds? And in the summer of 2014, you know, I don't know how to describe this to you in a way that there would be easy to understand other than just saying we had a call of God that God put on us. I mean, how do you describe the voice of God, right? How do you describe it when God speaks to you and says something to you and you, you just know that it's him? And we knew it was him. And God led us into church planting and said, now's the time, now's the time that I want you to prepare and say yes to this and get ready to do this. And God put a very specific location on our hearts. He put the location of Marietta, Ohio, which happened to be where my wife grew up and where her family lives to this day. Now, it was ironic that God gave us Marietta, Ohio, because when Jana and I were engaged, I told her, I sat her down one time, and I said, look, if you're going to marry me, you just need to know, I'm never moving to Marietta, Ohio. <laughs> Guess where I live now? Marietta, Ohio. God has a sense of humor. I wanted to prepare her so she'd never be disappointed down the road when I didn't move there. Here I am. We live across the street right now from our parents. It's crazy. God has a sense of humor. But he just put this overwhelming sense on us that we were supposed to go back to Jana's hometown. See, Marietta is a town of 14,000 people. And in this city, about 80% of the people, I've done the math, I've called around to the churches to figure out how full they are on Sunday mornings. 80% of the people are not engaged in the church. They're not in churches on Sundays. They're not listening to gospel teaching. There are good churches in the city, good evangelical churches that believe the word of God and are teaching Christ. They're good churches, good leaders. That's not the problem. The problem is that only one in five people is being reached in the city right now. And I think that churches, there are cities all across America, just like Marietta, kind of these middle-sized towns, I call them middle America, where you just have person after person after person, overwhelming numbers of people in these cities that aren't engaged in the local church. See, God didn't call us to Marietta to go and take the 20% and get them to, to rechange their position and come to our church instead of the church that they're in. We don't want them to do that. We want to see the other churches in the area lifted up and built up. God called us to go after the 80%, to go after the unchurched, to go after the de-churched, to go after the people who have given up on the church and walked away from it and think it's irrelevant to their lives. Yet they're hungry and they're hurting and their marriages are falling apart and they're stuck in addictions and all these things are happening and they need hope. What do they need? They need Jesus. We want to do everything we can to bring Christ to them. And so we started preparing. And here's what we started to do. We, we decided, you know what, if we're going to do this, we're going to have to raise money on a level we've never done before. How many of you all know that church planters have to raise a lot of money, okay? You have to raise a lot of money. You've got to raise money for your salary. You've got to raise money for your insurance package. You've got to raise money for your launch budget. And it costs a lot of money to go rent a place and get all the equipment you need to get to be able to start a church service in it. It's not easy to do it. And so we sat down and we made a list of 500 names of people. <laughs> I feel for these people. They had no idea. We wrote down their names. We knew they were going to get an ask. They didn't know it. And we just started approaching person after person after person. And we got halfway through our list. We got through 250 names. We had raised a ton of money, but we still weren't even close. We still had a big, significant, major gap to be able to get to our launch budget, to get it full. And I was just was tired. Man, God was blessing and God was bringing people to our team. God had even called a family out of our church in Fishers to move with us to Marietta. I mean, God was doing big things, but we just were tired. 
We needed somebody to come through and to help us. And so I started sending letters out to all kinds of churches around Indiana. Remember, I had connected to all kinds of pastors and leaders along the years. And I went to church after church after church and tried to get in the door to kind of give our pitch and invite people to come onto our team. And I'm sad to say that across the board, everybody just kept telling us no. I had pastors who wouldn't return an email to me, who wouldn't return phone calls to me. Sometimes they would return them, and it was a very gracious call, but say, hey, this just doesn't fit in our missions budget. This isn't what we're about this year. We're giving our, mo- our money to this thing or that thing and this other thing. We're not doing church planting. So you can imagine that was fairly discouraging. Well, little did I know what God was going to do. On May 21st, we were planning to move. We had sold our house. God gave us all, buyers immediately on our house. Our house sold right away. We were ready to move on May 21st from Fishers out to Marietta, Ohio. And on May 19th, I get a call from Robin Wood. And he kind of calls me up and says, hey, bud. He said, we see that you sent us a letter. What do you think about getting together? Why don't you come up to Muncie and meet me? I said, Robin, I said, I don't know you, but I've got a wife and four young children. We're packing a house. And if I come up there right now, I'm a dead man. Okay? So if you want to have a church planter in the future, my wife is going to kill me if I leave right now. He said, well, come on up. Come on, we need to meet you. If we, if we want to think about getting behind you, we've got to spend some time together. So I kind of sheepishly went to my wife. I said, Janet, would you let me just break away for a few hours to go up to Muncie? And I came up here and I sat down with Robin. And I had no idea that God had called your leadership to plant 10 churches in 10 years. I just was unaware of that. And as I started spending time with Robin and we started talking about our philosophy and our dreams and what we wanted to accomplish with the local church, we realized that, man, we were just so aligned with one another. Because, you see, we want to be a church planting church. I don't want Pathway Community Church to be a church that stops in Marietta. I want Pathway Community Church to be a church that gets other church plants out there and sends more and more people out to cities across America to reach the very ends of the earth, to go after the 80% in city after city after city. And as we talked about it with Robin, it just was so clear that our, our heartbeats were in alignment with one another. We were moving in the same direction. So Robin invited us up a couple weeks later, and we got to sit down with Greg Paris and the executive leadership team of Union Chapel. And in that meeting, it just was, again, it just was so obvious. We were all moving in the same direction. And what I didn't know was that at the end of that meeting, after I left the room, your pastor turned to his executive leadership team and said, let's find them the money. Let's go out and fill out the launch budget that they need to get this church started in Marietta. Let's bring them in as one of our 10 church plants. And it's a partnership. It's a partnership. Because what we're going to do as a church is try to teach your future church planters that you're going to send out how to raise funding. You see, I've had to do this for 12 years being in campus ministry. We've had to raise a lot of money along the way. We've learned a lot of things and the ups and downs of doing that. And so we're going to help to treat teach future church planters how to go out and make appropriate and healthy asks to people to invite them on their team so they can get the funding behind them so that they can be sent with the right amount of funding and resources to be able to go plant healthy and life-giving churches. This really is a partnership. But the partnership is possible because you gave. The partnership is possible because you chose, when the REACH campaign came about, to reach down and to give to something external. You see, it would have been very, very easy as a church to say the thing that we're all about is our building, in our youth ministry, in our own city. And listen, all that's important. Jesus loves your city. Jesus loves your youth. Jesus wants you to have the right facilities to work in. 
But sometimes we got to follow Jesus into giving to things that are external to ourselves. And because you chose to do that, your leadership was able to get behind us and form this partnership. And Union Chapel, I'm here to say thank you this morning. Thank you for being the kind of church that puts your focus on the bigger kingdom of God that is wildly and passionately aligned with Jesus in church planting. Thank you for being the kind of church that's willing to think bigger than just yourselves and your own city and your own locations. And I'm telling you right now, someday, listen to me, someday you're going to be in the kingdom of God and your Savior is going to embrace you. And he's going to say, job well done, good and faithful servant. And then you know what he's going to do? He's going to point to the line of people and say, do you see these people? These people are from Marietta, Ohio. And they're here in my kingdom today because you gave and you prayed and you served. And do you see that line right there? They're there from Cape Coral, Florida because you gave and you prayed and you served. And do you see these eight other lines of all the churches we planted? These people are here because of you. Union Chapel, can you imagine the day when people are embracing you in the kingdom of God and saying thank you? Thank you for putting a church planter in my city. Thank you for getting a new church that reached me because I was an unreached person. There is no experience in this life that could possibly compare. Greg, thank you for being the kind of leader who's willing to plant churches. Can we just honor your pastor for a moment? Thank you. Thank you. Union Chapel, let's go reach a lot of people together for Jesus. What do you think? Amen? All right. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, thank you for the great work that you are doing. Thank you for the people of Union Chapel, and thank you for the church planting that they are doing. Lord, you are honored and glorified when we align ourselves with your purposes and put ourselves right in the center of your will and your plan. God, you have done a great, great work. And we praise you, and we thank you, and we love you. God, we pray over Pathway Community Church, and we ask that we would have a very successful launch this fall. In particular, God, we pray over Tuesday morning when we're leading, meeting with leadership of a local school. We ask for favor in that meeting so that that facility would open up to us to be able to meet in and have our services in. God, would you prepare hearts for that first service that comes. Prepare them. Prepare the hearts of unchurched people to receive the gospel and to be changed for eternity. Jesus, thank you for the work you're doing. Thank you for Union Chapel. Thank you for our partnership. And thank you for the people here who gave so generously. Amen.